reading from John chapter 20. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our preaching text is from 1 Samuel chapter 3. Now the boy Samuel was ministering to the Lord under Eli. The word of the Lord was rare in those days. Visions were not widespread. At that time, Eli, whose eyesight had begun to grow dim so that he could not see, was lying down in his room. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord, where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called, Samuel, Samuel, and he said, Here I am, and ran to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. But he said, I did not call, lie down again. So he went and lay down. The Lord called again, Samuel. Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. But he said, I did not call, my son lie down again. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, and the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. The Lord called Samuel again a third time, and he got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. Then Eli perceived that the Lord was calling the boy. Therefore Eli said to Samuel, Go, lie down, and if he calls you, you shall say, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. Now the Lord came and stood there, calling as before, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, Speak, for your, ser your servant is listening. Then the Lord said to Samuel, See, I am about to do something in Israel that will make both ears of anyone who hears of it tingle. On that day I will fulfill against Eli all that I have spoken concerning his house from beginning to end. For I have told him that I am about to punish his house forever, for the iniquity that he knew, because his sons were blaspheming God and he did not restrain them. Therefore I swear to the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be expiated by sacrifice or offering forever. Samuel lay there until morning. Then he opened the doors of the house of the Lord. Samuel was afraid to tell the vision to Eli, but Eli called Samuel and said, Samuel, my son, he said, here I am. Eli said, what was it that he told you? Do not hide it from me. May God do so to you and more also if you hide anything from me of all that he told you. So Samuel told him everything and hid nothing from him. Then he said, it is the Lord. Let him do what seems good to him. As Samuel grew up, the Lord was with him and let none of his words fall to the ground. And all Israel, from Dan to Beersheba, knew that Samuel was a trustworthy prophet of the Lord. The Lord continued to appear at Shiloh, for the Lord revealed himself to Samuel at Shiloh by the word of the Lord. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Speak, Lord, for your servants are listening. Amen. Brothers and sisters, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. One of the common types of stories in the Bible, and especially in the Old Testament, 
is the call story, the, the narrative of how an ordinary person is recruited by God to become part of something important and unexpected. Our story today of the boy Samuel sleeping in the temple, awakened by God's voice, is one of those stories. Now, as people of the church, the language of being called is something that we are familiar with. After all, uh, congregations don't hire ministers. Congregations call ministers. That's the language we use. And as a minister, I don't take a job. I take a call. And this is correct. This way of speaking is correct. I am, in fact, called. But if we limit it to just meaning this, as though the only sort of call God gives is a call to professional ministry, uh, well, then we are incorrect. Several months ago, back in May, we heard a reading from 1 Peter. And in this reading, we were declared as the church to be a royal priesthood. And as I preached on that text, part of my sermon uh, was to ask you this question. What's your call story? What, how did God call you into the vocations, the, the callings which you live in your life? I asked you to think about the way in which God led you into these vocations. The vocations are many. There's vocations of family, uh, of being mother or, or brother or sister or father, husband or wife, and so on. Uh, the vocations of occupation, uh, being a teacher, an agent, a farmer, a, a custodian, and so on. Uh, vocations of citizenship, being uh, a neighbor or a voter or a consumer. Or, of course, the vocations, the callings of church, usher reader, council member, giver, just to name a few. My guess is that as you considered these vocations of yours, whatever they may be, and the way that God called you into them, God's calling work wasn't clear or obvious at the time, but rather that call came in a hidden and implicit way, a roundabout way. In fact, this sort of calling seems to be the standard way that God calls us into our vocations in a, a hidden way, leading us into something, and only looking back do we realize it was God's hand leading us all the way. But there are other times. There are extraordinary moments when God's call is for something out of the ordinary. There are times when God's call breaks us out of the ordinary flow of life, waking us up from our contented sleep and opening our ears to the new purpose God has in mind for us. And Samuel's story is one of those call stories. Just to place us in the overall story, this takes place at a pivotal moment in Israel's history. So many generations before Samuel, Israel completed its 40 years in the wilderness where we heard of manna and quail being given to them. And now for centuries, the Israelites have lived in the promised land of Canaan as a loose-knit collection of tribes with no centralized leadership. Instead of being ruled by kings or queens, the tribes are led by what are called judges, Men and women like Samson and Deborah and Gideon who are raised up by God in times of need to deliver the people. It's been a chaotic time for the Israelites as they alternate between times of peace and times of war, sometimes victorious over the other peoples in the land, 
sometimes subject to them. And of late, there has even been fighting between the Israelite tribes themselves. And momentum is building for the creation of a monarchy, a a king, to unite the tribes, to give them military success against their enemies. And here, here at the point of transition between the time of judges and the time of the monarchy, here we find Samuel. Samuel himself will not be king, but he will be universally respected as a prophet. And in fact, he will anoint the first king, Saul, and that king's successor, David. But all that comes later. At the start of our reading today, Samuel is just a boy serving at Shiloh, apprenticing under Eli the priest. And yet, in a time when God's word is very rarely heard, it is to this boy that the word of the Lord comes. I remember hearing this story as a boy myself and imagining what it must have been like to hear God's voice audibly, what it must have been like for Samuel to hear his own name called out by God himself. How incredible that must have been. And yet, if you read the story, it's surprisingly ordinary. I mean, think about it. Samuel hears God speak to him audibly, not just as a a gentle whisper or a still small voice inside, but loudly enough to wake him up from his sleep. And yet the sound is ordinary enough that Samuel assumes it's his master, Eli. And he makes this mistake repeatedly. Not once, but three times does he run to Eli saying, here I am, why did you call me? God calls Samuel, this boy who will be absolutely pivotal to God's plan going forward, yet God does it with a voice easily mistaken for that of Eli, the old priest. I mean, this is a far cry from the call of Moses, when God's voice boomed from that bush on fire but not consumed. Or, or the call of Isaiah, who had a vision of God so large that just the hem of God's robe filled the entire temple. Now, this call is it's smaller and it's simpler, using a voice sufficient to wake this child up without alerting him that anything unusual is going on. However, even though this call is simple and direct, it is so ordinary It leads both Samuel and Eli to disregard it at first. Samuel assuming it's merely the voice of his master. Eli assuming it's just the imagination of a child. To me as a child, this call story was much more desirable than some of the others. There's no falling down in fear. No one is struck blind. There are no signs and wonders. Rather, God simply calls Samuel by name, gives him a message. It's simple and clear, marvelous without being overwhelming. However, as an adult, busy and distracted by many things, as adults are, I find myself wondering how many times God has spoken to me without my realizing it. How many times have I heard the voice of God and assumed it was just a human voice or perhaps my imagination? How many times has God called my name, John? John, and I've been too busy or too distracted to hear it. Or, on the other hand, how many times have I heard the call and ignored it because I didn't want to deal with the change 
or the uncertainty of doing the thing I was called to do, whatever it may have been. Or to bring it into the present, to what new thing might God be calling me or you or perhaps all of us together? What is the sound sleep God is waking you from? What is the hard task God is placing in front of you? What is that call that God is stirring deep in your being, keeping you uncomfortable, unsettled, ready to be stirred up towards something else? I bet that for a few of you, the answer to that question is already clear. Maybe you've been wrestling with God's call, actively pursuing it, or on the other hand, actively avoiding it. Or perhaps for some of you, you are equally certain that God's call is to stay exactly right where you are, striving to be more faithful in the vocations that God has already brought to you. But my guess is that for many of us, maybe most of us, the question of God's call is not one we deal with on a daily basis. That many of us, perhaps most of us, rarely, if ever, take the time to listen to listen for that voice of God, ordinary though it may sound, that voice which calls us to new and challenging tasks or to renewed faithfulness in the tasks at hand. So this morning, we're going to take a couple minutes and practice listening. We're going to take a few minutes and prayerfully listen for what God may be calling us to do. And so to help with that, to assist with that, I've uh, made a few preparations and uh, I've got some extras if I need to. But in the pew pockets there uh, near you, there should be some pieces of paper, little quarter sheets of of paper uh, and perhaps some pencils. And I don't think I have enough, so I've got some pens that I can bring around as well. And I want you to take those out and I'll bring pens around in a second and write on them, write on one side, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. And then for a couple minutes, we're just going to sit together and listen in silence, which might feel uncomfortable, but it's okay. We're all here together. We can do it. And we're just going to sit and listen. And perhaps you will hear something. Perhaps you won't. This isn't a test of faithfulness, but rather a practice of listening. The more practiced we are at prayerfully listening, I believe, the more ready we will be when that call of God comes. So take a few minutes in quiet, and I will bring us together at the end of it. And in the meantime, does anybody need it? And now, brothers and sisters, whatever this time of listening has brought to you, hear now the word of God for you. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time on and forevermore. Amen.